With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Walking Dead Season 10, Episode 22. Actual season finale. Not just season finale TBD. Season finale to be continued. This is the actual literal season finale of season 10. It's called Here's Negan and it is over. And we are just getting started here on Post Show Recaps. It's me, Jessica Lees. Here's Jess. I'm ready to talk about everything that we learned about Negan and about the world of The Walking Dead. And with me, as always, you know him as the guy whose birthday is today. Hey. And I know. Yeah. Hey, hey. <laughs> I know him as the guy that I would let him move into my best friend's ex-girlfriend's abandoned cabin any day of the week. Here he is. It's Chappelle. Thank you, Jess. I'm, woo, this is a good birthday for me. Um, we got a really interesting episode for me, you know, of The Walking Dead this week. I don't think I could ask for more. Uh, what did you think about this week's episode? I don't know. Did they did they purposely show us a really crappy episode last week to make us feel like this was a really good episode? Or oh. is this really a really good episode? That's the uh, question. I don't know the answer. No, you're right. Now that I think about it, they've been lowering the bar and some expectations have been lowered. I mean, like I said, last week I liked because the week before that, you know, it's no secret I didn't love it. And so, yeah, I think once you put the bar so low, there's nowhere else to go but up. And for me, this was up. So happy birthday, Chappelle. I, yeah, I couldn't be happier. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so it's so codependent. We have such a we have such a harmful relationship with The Walking Dead now. It's like they just get slightly worse every time. And then when they give you something a little bit good, you feel like it's a masterpiece. Yeah, it's like they put us through some trauma and then they work really, really, really hard to make us feel like, oh, it's not so bad. Kind of like Megan. And mm-hmm. then and you can't tell if that's their motive from the beginning or if they were just, you know, it wasn't, it, they didn't have great stuff to work with and they're just trying to dig themselves out of a hole. I don't think we'll ever know because we're here for the long haul regardless. And like you said, I wouldn't want to be here with anybody else but you. So thank you so much for having me again. Hard same, my friend. But before we get into talking about all of the interesting things that we have learned, this week, I want to take a moment to thank our sponsors, and those are our good friends over at Geico. Do you own or rent your home? Did someone send you there in exile after the council voted you out? Sure you do, and sure you did, and I bet it can be hard work, but you know what's easy? Bundling policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy, and it's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to Geico.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. Chappelle, I wonder, did this cabin come with insurance? <laughs> uh, you know, it might have. It, it seemed pretty good. Like, it had a pretty good setup. It came with a rabbit and a fireplace. It, you know, had all the, all the amenities. So I would hope that it's insured. You never know when someone's going to have to burn it, you know, burn it down. So um, I, I'm not sure. Uh, Carol, 
Carol did this on her own, right? Is that what we're supposed to believe? Because you did say the council might have voted you out, but it kind of feels like this was a Carol move. <laughs> yeah, they- I really, I had a hard time believing when she said, oh yeah, the council voted. It's like, sure, Carol, the council. Mm-hmm. Is, the, is the council the name of like your imaginary friend? I mean, I know there's an actual council, but it really didn't feel like this was something, especially since, of course, the end of the episode, he moves right back in and nobody shows up and is like, no, no, bro. The council told you you couldn't live here anymore. Right. So she didn't he really even, calls like, run it blood. past him. Yeah, yeah, she didn't run it past him at all. I think Negan saw through the beginning and I did not. Honestly, I was like, well, look at the council making a good decision for the sake of the group. And then when he, throw, you know, kind of floats it out there, like maybe this is Carol doing the Carol thing again. I was like, no. This is it, Carol. Are you crazy? And then Negan marches back in and Carol doesn't even mention the council. She's like, oh, yeah, you just have a seat. Like, <laughs> make yourself comfortable. Uh, so, yeah, this doesn't. Yeah. Carol had her fingers all over this. She's trying to do, like I said, the Carol thing. She does what she thinks is best, you know, and uh, didn't really work out. But it gave us a heck of an episode to talk about. Yeah. And I mean, we didn't see it on screen. I feel like there's certain types of action that you have to see it on screen or it didn't happen. Like somebody mm-hmm. dying on this show, somebody dying on pretty much any show. Like if, if the way you found out about it is somebody walks in and is like, oh yeah, that dude died. Do we know for sure? We didn't see, we didn't see him die. They could be mm-hmm. under the dumpster. Walking oh Dead gosh. loves this. They love doing that to us. So I, I feel like council votes, maybe a little bit less exciting. Parliamentary procedure, not as much fun as beating someone's head in with baseball bat, but it is something that it's important enough we would have seen them voting to get rid of him. Yeah. And they, and they, we've had good TV with some council proceedings like in other, like there's other examples not to go into our normal spoiler segment of other TV shows. <laughs> but, you know, I like the, you know, the, the hear ye, hear ye, like we're not, we're not going to let this person stay. And then someone's like, I object in the crowd. And they're like, you shut up, you're out of order. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> no, and you're out like, of order. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, and then some, one person's like, well, if they go, I go, that kind of thing. Or, you know, like either, yeah, and, and that would have been good TV. Yeah. Like, you know, the council saying, hey, Negan actually has kind of worked his way back into, you know, the community and Maggie really putting her foot down and being like, no, he's leaving or else. And then having everybody kind of reconcile with the fact that they've kind of forgiven him a little bit. uh, And she has not at all. And that would have made for compelling television. So, yeah, I'd have to believe that they could have used that. And so since it didn't happen, this is Carol. This is definitely Carol. 100%. It is kind of shocking to me, though. Like, you raise a very good point that in this time of COVID, when we have limited people and limited access to our usual amenities, it would make perfect sense to have a 12 Angry Men episode of The Walking Dead where all this, like, we'll put the bottle episode in the jury room and have them just sit there and talk it out. I I am surprised we did not see this now that you bring it up. Yeah. Maybe so, it didn't cross their minds or maybe they've been filming all this stuff. Like, they've never actually filmed all these characters in the same room. You know, mm-hmm. like, they've been filming them all separately wherever they are. Um, and we see a lot of that in this episode for sure. Yes. Uh, but, yeah, but maybe that's what it is. Maybe if they could have gotten, like, the six angry council people in the room where they are, like, debating whether or not, uh, you know, and I'm sure, again, this could be Maggie just standing in front of them saying, what are you guys doing? Why is he here? Uh, and then them having to kind of recant stuff that happened, you know, or recap stuff that already happened. It's a good time to show some flashbacks. You could definitely show us like the things that he's been doing to redeem himself. And mm-hmm. then we can get a lot more flashbacks of, you know, the things he did to, you know, that weren't so great. Uh, 
And that probably would have been a better episode than the princess episode. You know, mm. <laughs> maybe. So maybe it just didn't, they didn't have uh, everybody in the same spot like I, uh, like they would have needed. But I think it would have been good TV. Yeah. I mean, there's also the fact that none of that actually happened. Um, uh, and nobody, <laughs> the council has not talked about Negan. Like he is the furthest thing from his mind. He is not living rent free in anybody's head but Maggie's. It's not a question that goes up before the council at this point. So, we can't have that episode because it didn't happen because it was all Carol. Yeah. And we come back Carol around. All along. To, yeah, it was Carol <laughs> all around all along. So we get Negan moves into Daryl's ex-girlfriend's cottage, which is interesting. I guess they have the set. They might as well reuse it. And Leah, who knows where Leah is? She's probably not coming back till sweeps. So yeah, it looked like a you know, they've kept it up. It's pretty nice. He's got a quilt and a rabbit, and he had a whole set of drinking glasses, and now he doesn't have any. Because he threw them across the room. Yeah, that that also could be a uh, like a mark of how much Carol has actually forgiven Negan. You know, like she wanted him out of there for his own safety is what she ends up telling him, and she took the time to fix up this cabin. You know, like we know Daryl's not there anymore. We know Leah's not there. We, for all we know, Carol's the only person who even goes there, and she's just been kind of hooking it up because she wants her friend to you know not be miserable. Because you could have exiled him and just exiled him. Goodbye, Negan you know, leave. And that's it. You didn't have to set him up with like, you know, lodging or even, you know, supplies. You don't owe Negan anything. At some point, Negan says, hey, I I think you owe it to me to kind of put in the good word with Maggie. And the whole time he was saying that, I was like, no, no, we don't. Nope. We don't owe you anything. We're square at best. At best, because there's an argument to be made that we would not have been in a situation where you needed to save us if you had not done the thing that you did. And so, um, yeah, this is a lot for somebody who should basically be you know, almost like a like an enemy of yours, Carol, at this point. You know, like I can say, if nothing else, square, but probably less than that. And so I'd, I'd have to imagine that this is also Carol's doing that. She just hooked it up because she's, she's just not that mad about it anymore. I really want to, in my head, I'm like writing the fan fiction mm-hmm. of like, you know, Daryl left that note under the floor, floorboards that's like, I belong with you here in this cabin. And what happens if Leah comes back to her cabin and she's like, oh, who's this dude living here? Who's this strange dude that talks to his to his past self? He's kind of creepy. And um, this is my house. So you should probably leave now. This is I I, I want to see that. Like, I want to see I, I don't need to see Leah again ever, but I want to see Leah come back and find Negan living in her house. That's going to be really hilarious. That would be funny and also probably horrible for Daryl. Uh, mm-hmm. Jeffrey Dean Morgan is a striking individual and if you walk into yep. your cabin and he's like laying on the bearskin rug in front of the fireplace <laughs> <laughs> drinking um, Leah might get comfortable I'm just going to say that and so that can go into you know our, our fan fiction as well the love triangle that forms when uh, Leah and uh, Leah is torn between her new friendship with uh, Negan and you know and with her old one with uh, Daryl but then also we still have dog in the middle as well, trying to pick sides. You know, this could be a very, very messy soap opera if we really dive into it. Yeah. And and Dog is like, well, Daryl has been my best friend for all these years, but Negan has a dead rabbit and that smells really good. Right. And where's Carol? Dog loves Carol. He ditched he ditched Daryl for Carol. So, mm-hmm. yeah, give me all the mess. I want it all. <laughs> oh, I, this is like, I don't know. This is like. This is like Dallas, but in the woods with zombies. <laughs> basically. <laughs> I might have read a review or two that said that The Walking Dead is basically, you know, Dallas in the wood with zombies. I, I probably you know, wrote it. <laughs> if, 
if this is not where we're going, I want that to be one of the spinoffs. Oh like, yeah, is that is that what the Daryl Carroll show is? It's mm-hmm. just like all these like lost love interests. Uh, we talked about Daryl's old, pr- like pretty close to love interest who is missing. You yep. know, ever yeah. And now we're talking about Leah. We know that um, Negan is a ladies' man, that mm-hmm. we find out in this um in this episode as well. Yeah, give me the Daryl Carroll spinoff and just make it a soap opera. Make it as as messy and like obnoxiously like insane as passions or something and i'd still watch it and i'd podcast about it every week with you if you wanted me to <laughs> i i'm here for that i you know i said i i had capped my walking dead spinoff involvement at three like i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do fear i'm gonna do world beyond i did not sign up for anything beyond world beyond but mm-hmm. now like walking dead passions i'm here for that <laughs> it's got an asterisk. It doesn't count. It's not in, like it doesn't count as a spinoff. This is this is a, a passion project, if you will. <laughs> like, Indeed. So, yeah. Uh, no. I, I I would like some of that, but we don't get any of that in this episode. Unfortunately, we just get. I thought honestly, I thought this was going to be Negan's princess episode. You know, mm. where he's just kind of talking to himself the whole time, and we don't know if he's talking to himself, if he's having a breakdown, or what. And we got a lot of flashbacks. Way too many flashbacks. I have a, I have comments and thoughts about that. <laughs> but but yeah, um, it was cool to see him in this cabin. I just was very surprised to see, you know, like you said, the upkeep on it because it looked nice. Yeah, it looked great. And I will say it was a little bit of a cheat for those of us who have read the comics and have some familiarity with who Negan was. I, I will confess I have not actually read the Here's Negan spinoff comic that gives its name to this episode, if not all the major plot points. But I did know the basics. I knew that I knew that Negan had had a wife who died and he named his bat after her for reasons. Uh, but I think we get here, we get some insight into Negan. Not that I really need any insight into Negan. I feel like we know who Negan is. But we get some insight into, I think bigger than Negan, we get insight into what those early days post zombie apocalypse were like and we didn't get a lot of that up to this point at least not on walking dead prime and i think the world that it creates for us and the world that he is in and the challenges of that world and the people that are in it are really really interesting in a way that i think 12 years out we're basically like little house on the prairie yeah um for me this episode i, I like i didn't need like you said the background about negan and it was kind of annoying to me that I was getting it because I've already firmly said that I am not, I am anti-Negan. He can never redeem himself for what he did and there's nothing you can do. And I felt like this episode was kind of like, are you sure you can't, are you sure you can't <laughs> redeem himself? Are you positive? Because I mean, Jamie Lannister pushed a boy out a window and we all love him. Or yeah. And loved him for no reason just to be like left. Anyway, I'm not doing that. Not yeah, doing yeah. that with no, you no, right no, now. Don't, don't but, go there. <laughs> I'm not going there. Uh, justice for Brienne. Okay. So here's the thing. I have already, like, Negan is dead to me. So to watch this episode and to think the whole time, like, oh, no, we're getting the, like, his Breaking Bad moment, right? We have to know why Negan is Negan, and now it's going to make us all go, oh, well, I mean, Mm. you kind of have to understand. I feel so bad for him. Right. And so a part of me was like, I don't like this, because I see what y'all are doing, and and it's just so hollow. However... I think they did a really good job with the story to where it didn't feel like that at the end. It felt like almost like, 
you could it could redeem him, but also it could just let you see who he really is at his core, and it doesn't change anything at all. And so, like when you said you didn't need it, I was like, no, you're right. Even after watching this, all of that did not make it didn't humanize Negan for me anymore because now he is who he is. He was always kind of scummy, you know, and it seemed like a lot of time he was just trying to redeem himself for the things that he had done wrong to somebody else. It was all very reactionary, you know, like taking care of people and doing all these really nice things. So they'd be square, almost like what he told with Carol, like, you kind of owe me one now. No, mm-hmm. you put us in this position. And so it was a lot of seeing that. And so seeing that this has just kind of been like a pattern was very eye opening for me. Like, oh, OK, so this is sneaking at its core, but it didn't humanize him too much for me. And I enjoyed that um, part of it. Um, but yeah, I wasn't familiar with the comics, so I didn't know, you know, that I could have guessed in a very like corny way that the bat was probably named after his wife. <laughs> like, okay, fine. You know, <laughs> that sounds about right. Um, like lucky bowling ball named after your wife, you know, inanimate objects, blunt mm-hmm. objects named after your wife. So it was like, it's a trope, right? Um, so that was like pretty cool to see it. Like, oh, okay, makes sense. But yeah, going into Negan's backstory and seeing the flashback after flashback after flashback that ended mm-hmm. up taking us to the world as this was happening, as the zombie apocalypse was just beginning, because we do get like the moment in the uh, the episode where they're kind of alluding to, hey, zombies are out here eating people's faces and they just ignore it. <laughs> yeah, they turn <laughs> so- on the car radio and it's like, you know, <laughs> Our, our weather chopper has reported that we saw somebody eating a dude's face on the I-5. And he's like, ah, oh, I don't want to listen to that. I'll put on music. Right. Barry Manilow's playing. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah. So that was one of the things that I thought was cool. Like, okay, we're back here. So, and I, I think also now I feel a lot better about the timeline. I kind of wondered how much time has really passed mm. um, because we can't track it. Uh, but yeah, what was it, 12 years ago, mm-hmm. then seven months before that, then two weeks before that? <laughs> so, well, it's just like the episode with Daryl. It was like 10 months ago, three months later, five months mm-hmm. before that. And, I, you know, you're not Guy Ritchie. You're not Quentin Tarantino. Stop <laughs> doing that. It's it, Just tell it in order. Like, say, it all goes back to 12 years ago, and then this happened, and then, you know— then first Lucille got cancer and then Negan needed the chemo drugs and then he found the people in the van and then some dudes beat him up. I, I feel like I need to go like memento this. I need to like watch it all in order or I need to do the thing like um those dudes that re-edited the entire run of Lost so that it took place in chronological order. Yeah. Um yeah, I, and I enjoy that kind of thing. Like, I enjoy when people go and fix the timeline for me. So I'll know, okay, this is I need to watch. Um, when I was watching Grey's Anatomy and Private pa- Practice, <laughs> it was really hard to keep up with both of those things. They're in the same universe, but, you know, they start at different times. Same thing with the Arrowverse, the Arrow and the Flash, and all of these, like, whew, all of those DC TV shows on CW were just playing with my mind for a while. I was like, somebody please go in and make sure I'm on the right episode. And so, yeah, if someone were to do that with the Walking Dead writers and just tell them, like, hey, it's okay for a storyline to be linear. It's okay for you to start at the beginning, tell the story, and go all the way through to the end, and it'll be okay. I saw uh, there's an episode of Rick and Morty um, where I think it's called, like, <laughs> Look Who's Purging Now. Where, um, yeah, I've seen this the, one. Yeah, it's the purge, and in the middle of this purge, this guy is trying to get his screenplay read. Like, I've been writing on this, working on the screenplay. Uh, Morty, I need you to read the screenplay. And Morty finally, like, starts the screenplay, and it starts off with, like, it all started 12 years ago. And he's like... You don't have to go into, like, he's like, starts the free screenplay and then, like, halfway through the first page, boom, flashback. It's like, no, stories can be told from beginning to end and it'll be okay. Mm-hmm. I just want 
the Walking Dead writers to watch that episode of Rick and Morty. <laughs> yeah. Because he, he feels strongly about it, and so do I. It's it's screenwriting 101. Like, why do you need to go th- that far back? Why don't you start in the middle of the action? And then trust that your audience will understand. And if your audience needs that much backstory, then start there. Mm-hmm. I feel like this, I think a flashback can be a really powerful narrative device if you have a good reason to deploy it. And you only really get to do one of those. You don't get to have a flashback and then explain something in another flashback and flashback to something before that. You know, you're, you're not a Golden Girls clip show. You, <laughs> you tell your story in order and make sure that your beats count and find ways to explain the things you're not showing. And if you have to show something, show it in order. That's, that's how I feel anyway. And I, granted, I am not a screenwriter. I have never written anything longer than an article about television. So, you know, maybe, maybe what, do, what the hell do I know? Uh, what, do, what do we know? You know, yeah. again, we're just here to complain and to talk yeah. about this show. We're, we're my invested. Job, yeah, my job <laughs> is to complain. So here I am. I'm doing my job. Do yours, screenwriters. Right. But and you know what? Honestly, this isn't a huge complaint. I'm just saying it just seems like a lot of work to go back and then to go back and then to go back. You could just make this easy for all of us and start at the beginning. Just work yep. your way through. So yep. still a good and episode I, for me, though. Yeah, it was. Um, I think it's the best of the bunch by a by a country mile. I thought it was. It was a really great character study. It gave us information we might have been curious about, and mm-hmm. it told it told an interesting story that revealed something else about the universe. And I think this is my favorite part about it because, you know, they did some of this on fear, but they really they jumped too far ahead, too fast on fear, even. Because I remember that first episode of Fear of Fear where they are like, it is day one of the zombie apocalypse, and you are meant to believe that like that Nick Clark is witnessing zombie number one. And mm-hmm. then it just kind of cascades out from there. That was really interesting stuff. And it, it revealed some things like, you know, the guy that comes home and his wife is a zombie in the house, and they're telling him, Don't go in the house, your wife's in there. And he's like, Yeah, but my wife's in there. She's sick, she might need help, and then he gets eaten. Mm-hmm. And it's it's an interesting spin on like, it's not just faceless monsters. It's like people, you know, and they bring up some things in this episode about it's not just that your Rick Grimes waking up and everybody around you is dead and you find like the five people that aren't. This is like, there were 500 people that aren't dead at this point. And eventually it gets whittled down to the five, but there's more people competing for more resources with more desperation and it's not it's not up to the surviving and creating society part it's the how are the 500 people competing for this limited amount of resources and they make point like you know they're always picking they're always going through people's houses and picking up cans of food in this show and this episode points out that you know when there were still 500 people alive in this area they ate all the canned food and that's why it's so hard I, yeah. I liked that and that there were still people trying to help at this point too, which there are very few people trying to help by the time you get to the Rick Grimes day 63 or whatever. Mm-hmm. I really loved took, that. Yeah. Yeah. And it only took 63 days for people to just be like, no, we're not helping people anymore. <laughs> yeah. Shut it down. Shut down the clinic. I gave out all my chemo drugs. I'm done. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I noticed at one point in the episode, I don't remember which flashback, but uh, we, we do um, meet Daryl's wife, 
Um, I'm sorry, not Daryl. Um, Megan's wife. Megan's wife, um, Lucille. Lucille you know. the first. Lucille the first. The first can, of her can name. We call, can we call the bat Lucille two? Yeah, Lucille too. <laughs> I got I'm Lucille Jr. I like that. Um, yeah, so we get Lucille the first. And at one point she says, you won't let me watch James Bond. So I want you to read books to me. And I'm thinking, there's TV here? We have TV? What year is this? What day is this? What, when does TV end? Do, do we have a definitive time? Because, you know, me, TV watcher. Mm-hmm. That's very important to me in the zombie apocalypse. I need to know when the day TV ended and I had to turn to, you know, literature and other stuff like that. Well, I assume she's watching a DVD. Like John Dory watched movies. Yeah. He, like he had the he had the video store that was like down the road from his cabin and he would go and like rent a movie every week even though there was nobody there. He's like, "Oh, I'll rent the next one." It was like Will Smith in I Am Legend going into Two Boots movies and getting the next movie out of the list. I mean, yeah. you could watch DVDs. There's still DVDs in the zombie apocalypse. You imagine you it was that comfortable where you could run your generator to watch DVDs. You yeah. know? Like well, they watch DVDs in Alexandria, you know they did. <laughs> Oh, yeah, like, for sure. The first iteration where there's still like the one dude is still listening to like industrial music while he runs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those people yeah. have DVDs. Those people are days. still watching. Those people are still watching James Bond. <laughs> yeah. Uh, imagine now that looking back at your life and you're thinking, we really wasted that gas on James Bond. It's mm-hmm. incredible. Yeah. It, wasn't, it wasn't even like it wasn't even Skyfall. It was like Moonraker. I wasted that oh gas gosh. on Moonraker. <laughs> it could have been Skyfall. Depends Skyfall. Yeah. I, that's not wasted gas, you know? <laughs> no, I, I agree with you on that one. What's your favorite Bond, Chappelle? Oh, oh, yeah. Look, I was a Pierce Bronsman guy. You know, I just, I think it's just because I was growing up with him. You know, mm-hmm. like he was the one I knew. So when Daniel Craig came, I really was kind of like, I don't know about this. Because, you know, new guy. Uh, not my, Not my Bond, you know? But I remember even when I was younger, I would watch... I would watch my older relatives watch the old James Bond uh, films and I never understood like, like why they liked it so much. Um, like I was like, okay, this is, this is, this is fine. But um, give me, what was it? Uh, was Goldeneye the first one that he did? Yeah, I think that was the first. Brosnan That's probably Bond, the first yeah. one I saw, but I think maybe like Die Another Day is probably my favorite one because I think I was old enough to understand it at that point and really care about the story as opposed to like, just watching the shooting, you know? Yeah. Nah. I didn't, I didn't grow up with Bond. I watched my I first. I watched yeah. him watch it. <laughs> yeah. I didn't, I didn't watch anybody watch it. I think my first Bond <laughs> would have been probably six years ago. Oh. And I started, I just started watching them from the beginning in order. I thought I was going to blog about it or something. And we still might, I think we still have a poster recaps Bond plan in the works somewhere, but I, I just started watching it in order. There's a lot of Sean Connery Bond in a very short amount of time. And, it's not good. It's I didn't it's, understand. <laughs> I, there's a lot that's problematic. I got a lot of questions for you, Mr. Connery. Um Ooh, I, look, look, if you if you need if you need a guest for the Bond Pod. Oh, one hundred percent you're on our list. <laughs> ring me, because I want to hear these Sean Connery questions for sure. Yeah. But uh, my favorite my favorite James Bond movie, and this is a hot take mm-hmm. on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Oh my god. That's yeah. That's before my era of Bond. That's the that's the single George Lazenby Bond. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And um. it's, <laughs> what can I say? It's good. It's like it's interesting. They're trying to do something different with it, and then they realized, oh, this isn't going to work. Let's just bring Connery back. And then, like the very worst Bond movie after that is, it's uh, Diamonds Are Forever, and it's terrible. 
So uh, it's so funny because, like, like I said, I never understood like the appeal. Then I saw like my bond, and I was like, oh, mm-hmm. okay, I get it. And now you're mentioning these old bonds. I'm like, am I going to get into the bonds thing now? Am mm-hmm. I going to go find out if these? Because now you're telling me that they're bad, and that is drawing my attention even more to mm-hmm. it. Because I'm like, I knew they were bad. I just couldn't prove it as a child. Like, you guys, this isn't great. And now I'm like, yeah. I got to go watch it and like feel my vindication when I see that this isn't great. It's like whenever they're not overtly sexist, and sometimes when they are also overtly sexist, they're also extremely racist and homophobic. So it's mm. it's just like a perfect storm. But I can see where, like, sometimes at their best, the Bond movies are mindless fun. And if you have just gotten chemo and you're not feeling good and there aren't any popsicles because of the zombie apocalypse, you definitely want to just get high and watch Bond movie. I get it. And I understand yeah. Just kill the zombie so you can turn the generator on and watch your bond. I don't judge. Yeah. So the kill the zombie part was very entertaining to, for me because, like, like as we know, like they were kind of comfortable in there, you know, reading books and, you know, mm-hmm. making wigs and, you know, praying dress up <laughs> and all this other stuff. And we see Negan have to go outside to kill this zombie. And for all intents and purposes, this is baby Negan. Like, this is Negan who, like, goes out there with his little hammer. Like, oh, okay. He doesn't want to kill the zombie because he kind of wonder if he's afraid of it. And, you know, you can't imagine a world where Negan's afraid of a zombie now. Mm-hmm. But back then, he goes out there and kind of, like, barely gets past this zombie. You know, one walker is, like, you know, got him shaken to his core. You know, and I was like, wow. I've never seen him like this. Uh, the, the acting. This guy was doing some things and I was very excited to see it. Yeah, it was it was a different side of Negan. I don't know if I fully buy it, though. I feel like Mm. this is inconsistent with what we know about Negan, especially what he tells us about him later on in the in the episode. He says that he got fired from his gym teacher job because he beat a dude within an inch of his life. It's like, oh, you can beat a dude within an inch of his life, but you can't kill a zombie. Well, he's already dead. So he's like, yeah. well, how do I beat it within an inch of his life yeah. without... Like- it's already dead, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. But also, just pretend it insulted your wife. Right. Like It's see, like... See Red. Can't you harness that power? Yeah, come on, Ferdinand. <laughs> get to it. <laughs> he's very much the Hulk in this episode. Like, oh, you won't like me when I'm angry. But when that zombie had you backed up against the wall, it's like, you didn't really rise to the occasion. He man- He managed to... To survive, but if it wasn't for his wife showing up and shooting the zombie with their last bullet, mm-hmm. um, I don't know if he would have made it. So that was fun for me to watch because even though it is inconsistent from what they try to tell us about Negan, which is that he has this switch, um, it was cool to see, like, you know, maybe he has evolved into this current Negan that we know, you know, with the with the biker jacket and the and the and the, you know, barbed wire wrapped uh, baseball bat. You know, he wasn't always just this badass who was, Mm -hmm. you know, unleashed upon the world. He kind of was created a forest through fire. Yeah. And it's interesting. The comics take a different tactic with this because Mm -hmm. they, we don't really get the evolution of Negan. We get the, like, we get the point where he snaps and he's able to kill whatever he wants with his awesome bat, but we don't ever get like, how do you go from I can beat a guy with a baseball bat when he threatens my life to I am a fascist dictator who steals supplies from the surrounding settlements? That feels like a big leap to me. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? 
Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. The comics actually spend a little more time on this, but it's more like and it's a theme that we're getting a lot in this season fragment. I think we're going this direction. You get a lot of Negan being Negan reaching out to people, Negan making connections, and then those people dying. And so he goes, he finds more people and he tries to help them. And he makes a connection and those people die. And over and over, it's like, I found people and people die. It's like Bob. Bob did that. You remember uh, Bob, right? I remember Bob. Bob, Bob is, was, uh, yeah. <laughs> he's like the last survivor of his settlement four times and that was like what shaped bob and you can go the bob route or you can go the negan route and it's it's a harder story to tell especially in the time of covid so i get why we didn't get that but it still seems like the guy we left off with is a very different guy from the guy that we first met mm-hmm. all those years ago I wonder if Negan is still finding out who Negan is as well at this time, right? Because we, in these flashbacks, we see Negan as like your stereotypical, you know, like, uh, like deadbeat husband, you know, mm-hmm. like he doesn't have a job. He, you know, has, uh, you know, some criminal offenses against him. He sits around playing Call of Duty all day uh, while his, his wife is just like, get up and do something. And he's like running up her credit card bills on stupid jackets, um, <laughs> the leather jacket that we come to know and love or and hate, depending on her. And he's cheating on her. So give me like, give me all the deadbeat marks, right? For Negan. Mm -hmm. And then as he's talking to himself later on and, you know, in present time when he's sitting in Carol's cabin that she made for him, um, he says, I have a cult like personality with no, with no cult. And back then he really didn't have a cult either. And so I'm wondering if he's becoming that person as we see him. And this is kind of an indictment on toxic masculinity. I mean, as someone who has a lot of that in them and just tries to like ignore it a lot of times, yeah, I think so. Right, this might be Negan finding out that he kind of sucks, and he sucked back then, but now he's finding out what works for him, and and having like a people, a bunch of people following him, being this dictator who goes and takes over, um, you know, different civilizations and things like that. That's just his bag. He just didn't know it at the time. Um, you know, he had to kind of harness his own power first and then realize, no, I like being in charge of everybody else. He was a gym teacher and I've, mm-hmm. I won't, I won't say all gym teachers have this, uh, kind of complex to them, but yeah. Sorry, Jordan Kalish. We don't yeah, mean you. I, we, I, I do. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Jordan <laughs> Kalish. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, it, it got a coaching personality. We'll say that. And mm-hmm. so maybe that's what he's learning about himself. The more with, with every follower that he gained is that, no, I'm really good at this because up until then, it looked like he was still trying to find what his thing was going to be. Once he couldn't be a gym teacher anymore, he didn't know what he was going to be next. Yeah, he's got to find his purpose. Um, yeah. I guess I can see the leap from gym teacher to 
fascist dictator a little bit more not, freely. It's not, it's not that much of a leap. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding Here, again. <laughs> here's the part I want to talk about, though. I want to talk about we didn't just see the origins of Negan here. We also mm-hmm. see the origins of another character that we that has been like probably a B list or C list character all along, and that's Laura, who is she is the young lady with the tattoo on her neck that is running the mobile clinic when we first meet her. This is really curious to me because the next time chronologically, if we like chop this all up and chronologically lost it all together, mm-hmm. the next time we see Laura, she is a member of the saviors mm-hmm. and she is like fully on board, like drinking the Negan flavor aid. And she works for him. She's a good little soldier in the Negan army. And then it's kind of implied, like she's not a bad person. She's just doing what she has to do to get by. So they kind of absorb her into Alexandria and she is an Alexandrite the next time we see her. And they've, it's been like no hard feelings, Laura, you can be with us. And then she eventually um, meets her demise um, in one of the, I think like about three episodes before the other season finale this season. She was Mm -hmm. killed by Beta in this really awful, brutal way. But she's been around a lot in the background. And it's interesting to me that the first time we meet her, her her whole reason for being is to help people. She's driving the mobile clinic with her dad and they are... They're just giving help to people that need it, and they're giving that help freely. And how do you go from that to joining the Saviors? Yeah. Well, I think this is Negan's first cult follower mm-hmm. because Negan, you know, he meets them. He's at the mercy of them because he needs to get these chemo- chemotherapy, you know, medication uh, for his wife who's dying from cancer. Um, and they they had this. They had their own stash of medicine, uh, and he had been giving his wife chemo on his own, which is incredible um Mm -hmm. but um you know the the refrigerator the freezer goes out and you know they can't keep the the medicine like you know at the right temperature so it's bad it's horrible they have to go get more and he comes up on um laura and her Mm -hmm. dad's name is reggie or something like that reginald or something franklin i'm sorry i don't know who reggie is i was really close yeah (laughs) franklin comes up on laura and franklin and you know through the, their interaction their kindness to him almost you, you know because mm-hmm. they could he he basically tries to rob them and instead of you know robbing them they beat him over the head with you know what's soon to be known as lucille the bad <laughs> and they take him in and they give him the supplies and they feed him and they send him on his way and it's like that goodwill is what makes negan come back and save them at the end and you know i'm wondering if laura's like Maybe I need to repay that goodwill to Negan. He he did this thing for me and my dad. Um, so yeah, I'm loyal to him. And so maybe this is the beginning of his his cult thing. Like these are the first people who followed him. Um, she didn't seem like she was too invested when we meet her in uh, kind of like the present time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like you said, it just kind of looks like she was just doing what she needed to do to get by. Maybe she quickly realizes that Negan is the one who knocks uh, and doesn't like it. But I'm sure it wasn't hard to win her over once, you know, they go through this ordeal and this flashback that we saw on this episode. It's weirder though, that she's not like, why is she just sort of an glorified extra for the first five times we see her when she should be on Negan's like inner circle. You know, Negan, mm-hmm. Negan has that, you know, he has like, what's his face, the big mustache and he's got the like biker looking lady. And, and yet Laura is still like off, I don't know, doing clerical work or something. And she should be like, dude, I gave you Lucille. I right. saved your life. And now I'm just like, you know, I'm just a grunt. What's up yeah. with that? 
Yeah, that's true. You would think like this is be, this would be like one of his right, you know, his right hands. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like I was with you day one. We both made it out of that situation with the RV. Maybe she doesn't fully trust Negan because it's kind of his fault that they were in that situation mm-hmm. in the first place. This well, is again. a recurring theme for him. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, so maybe she never, she's like me. She doesn't forgive and she doesn't forget. Like, she's like, okay, I'm, it's fine. I'm doing this to get by. But you know, they only found us because of you. And you had to save us because of you. So maybe that's why. <laughs> Thank but you yeah, for it, saving me from you. From yourself. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, yeah, maybe that's why she's not fully invested in the Negan or she's not really drinking the Kool-Aid or all of it. Um, because a part of her still remembers that, like, I wouldn't even be in this mess had you just left us alone. You know? Well, I'm pretty sure that Mobile Clinic, like, I think the underlying theme was that Mobile Clinic was not long for the world. Like, someone was going to go and someone was going to do what the biker gang did, basically. Th- yeah. That I was going to happen. How easy, look how easy Negan did it. Yeah. Been, like he's been tracking them on his own with like, whatever li- limited gym teacher skill set he had. And he was able to like, had he had a bullet in his gun, he probably would have been successful at robbing them. Um, but yeah. he didn't, you know, he had to rob them with a, a gun with no bullets in it. And so, you know, he wasn't successful that time, but somebody with just a small amount of ammunition or a little bit more experience would have been successful. Eventually. You're right. Um, it just happened to be Negan to be the one to sell them out in this, in this timeline. Yeah. And I wonder, maybe this is why he calls the group the saviors, because like maybe they did, maybe he did like hit the road with them for a while trying to save people. And they're like, oh, well, we can't really do that. So let's just turn to the, let's turn to some far right politics and call our, continue to call ourselves the saviors because it's a good brand. They're basically, they're terminusing. They're like, hey, come in here. We'll save you. Oh, by the way, you've got to go rob other people. And if you don't, we'll beat you over the head with a bat. Right, right. They're only the saviors until they run out of, like, until they run out of things to save people with. So once they start running out of, you know, medication and equipment and tools, we have to now collect those things so that we can save the people who we want to save. And it probably started off as like a Robin Hood situation where we'll take from these people because they're bad and we'll use it. But then who's to decide who's bad? It looks like mm-hmm. Negan is the person who gets to make that decision. And, um, you know, here we are. Yeah. Unrelated, can I, always, can I just say that I always thought it was really annoying that he calls his bat Lucille and it's not a shout out to B.B. King. I always thought it was going to be a shout out to B.B. King when I like heard about Negan. Like people were like, Negan and Lucille. I was like, oh, okay, cool. And now I'm like, they're not even going to, they're going to touch it. BB King doesn't even exist in this universe. I guess they're all just listening to Beta all the time. No, I'll listen to what's his name. Uh, are they listening to "You Are So Beautiful"? <laughs> <laughs> Joe Cocker. Yeah, yeah, Joe Cocker. Yeah, I was like, really? This is this is what we're listening to? Okay, that's fine. <laughs> I don't know. Every CD bar I've been in, you put Joe Cocker on, they don't care. I mean, Negan seemed pretty upset that he was at a CD bar and they didn't care. Um, but for me, that song in particular, it's kind of a drag. I mean, it's a nice oh, love yeah. song, but it's kind of slow. And and he starts I, crying time, at the end of it. Like, right, you've heard the end of it, it's like, to me. <laughs> every time I hear it, I think of Alfalfa from the uh, Little Rascals. Wasn't he singing that to Darla or something? Like, yeah. you are so beautiful. So when Negan breaks into that song, I'm like, uh, this isn't. This isn't landing like I want it to land. <laughs> that that I just gets mixed up in my head with Eddie Murphy's Alfalfa. Oh I feel gosh. like everything I know about Alfalfa is actually Eddie Murphy. No, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> nope. It's a problem. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. I don't, I don't think it's a, it, it seems like, granted, it's like, it's not a great song and it's kind of a downer, but you go into a bar. I feel like I wanted Negan to go and play something that's really going to piss people off in a crowded bar. Like a terrible, like go into a biker bar and like play Arcade Fire and see what happens. You know, it, yeah, Arcade Fire will get a reaction from them. Uh, you Are So Beautiful will not get a reaction from mm-hmm. anyone. It's They're gonna just going to ignore it. Yeah, it's going to be like background noise until something good comes on. Um, could he have gotten more like crowd participation or people to care if he had did with a little help from my friends? Because that is my song. <laughs> it's not sad at all. It's a good song. And Joe Cocker did what he needed to do. So yeah. it, like it's that. very, it's a great delivery. It's very emotional. Like it's going to Hollywood. Yeah. Makes you think back to the wonder years, if you will. <laughs> the good yeah. old days. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's the other problem. Like, you know, they don't have TV in this universe because Joe Cocker and that's and in general is inextricably linked to the Wonder Years. Always, always a favorite. And they decided to go with this song. I just don't understand. But whatever, Negan, go off. If that's why you well, want to commit manslaughter, then OK. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, granted, he does later on get by with a little help from his friends. If you say his friends are a bat and a lady with a neck tattoo. <laughs> that's a good one no you're right you're right it, it, mean, it means a lot um yeah maybe he should switch up songs maybe you mm-hmm. are so beautiful is played out and he should be switching into uh some of the maybe other joe cocker songs this track ends and the next track begins and then it's yeah. negan's next phase of his life and i don't know i what other joe cocker song I, oh yeah joe cocker did that um officer and a gentleman song so yeah. maybe negan's next phase of life he's gonna lift him up where he belongs <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> You're very welcome, sir. <laughs> like, we went way off the rails with that, and I enjoyed every second of it. <laughs> you want to talk about James Bond some more? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, yeah, that's a separate podcast at this point, because we already did, tw- what, 10 minutes of that, too. Um, yeah. yeah um, this, this was fun, though. Um, thinking about... Fun. Well, yeah, but thinking about Negan as, like, you know, young Negan, who was kind of developing his cult persona... Mm-hmm. I like it. I, you know, just just because you said, like you said, this is it. It's almost like a jump. I mean, it is twelve years of discovery. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it gives them but a lot of time though. to figure it out. It's <laughs> not though. It's like one year of discovery tops. Because how long was it before Rick found Alexandria? It was like two years into the zombie apocalypse. Yeah, they were allegedly, and again, this is where time just starts to stretch out in weird, mm-hmm. like inceptiony ways. But allegedly, they were only there for a couple of months before Negan shows up at Alexandria and then the savior war lasted like one month after that. So, you know, Negan had a year to craft his savior persona at most. Yeah. When you think about it, it's really impressive what he managed to build in that short amount of time. Yeah. Cause he wasn't seem to be, he wasn't seemingly impressive in any other way before that. Right. Like, like we saw, he couldn't, he couldn't keep his job because he was beating up random people at bars. He couldn't, um, get a job. He could not, uh, stop cheating on his wife. He could not, you know, stop tinkering with buying things for his motorcycle, like leather jackets. Like he wasn't really an effective, you know, person, member of society back then in any positive way. And so for him to be able to pull this off is like, huh. Well, yeah. So, uh, yeah, are those the personality traits you need to be a good cult leader? Just kind of, you know, not great at being a great guy. So maybe he's predisposed to that kind of energy. I think what you need is an authoritative air and like just a little bit of a side of questionable morals. I think yeah. that's the lesson we're taking from this. Like in order to build your empire, you got to have, have a good message. 
you got to have the bravado and then you got to be able to do a little bit of the wrong thing. Yeah. Is this a psychotic break that he goes through, though? Like is th- these moments where he sees red. Is this normal anger or is Negan already kind of off, right? Like, because mm-hmm. he fights the guy in the bar because the guy won't stop talking during the song that he loves with his wife, the wife that he's cheating on. Yeah. Okay. In, in a so, bar where people go to talk to each other. Right. So he already is kind of an a hole, um, just mm-hmm. in general. And so for him to have this moment where it's like, oh no, you disrespected my wife. I saw red and I had to beat the crap out of you. Uh, you disrespect your wife every day when you go and sleep with whatever her name was, Janine. And so um, <laughs> I don't understand why this is what makes you, you know, quote unquote, snap. This is what, you know, makes you break if you weren't already kind of broken, you know. And then to see, you know, him transition into, you know, fully formed Negan with his uh, with Lucille and the barbed wire and stuff like that. It's like, was that a break or you were already just kind of that guy looking for a reason to be that guy? I think, well, I think that's that's another overarching theme the walking dead universe it's like the only people that survived are that guy and so mm-hmm. you know you thought the threat was zombies but it's really a whole bunch of high school gym teachers that don't have rules anymore yeah no that's fair that's fair um yeah because for me watching negan in these moments it was like oh we see in the evolution of negan but now i'm thinking about it even more and i'm like no we're just seeing different sides of negan mm-hmm. you know this was Negan without rules or Negan without Lucille, you know, the bat or his wife, you know, Negan in different stages of his Neganismness. Uh, so, um, <laughs> Neganosity? <laughs> yeah, his Neganosity. And so, yeah, that's interesting for me as well. So the flashbacks, although I did complain about them, I'm happy that they did give us some of that. I just, again, wish it was in order mm-hmm. and I wouldn't have to kind of pick and choose when to start talking about certain things. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? Anybody that's complaining about this podcast being jumbled and disconnected and out of order, well, maybe if this show would tell its stories in order, we would have a little bit more to cling to. It's true. It is true. Yeah. I, it is an indisputable fact. So we got <laughs> a lot of feedback from people this week. Um, we had a lot of people writing in and saying that they thought this was a really fantastic episode. Um, and then we got a couple of people that like I had people tweeting at me and saying they thought it was the best episode. Like it was top tier walking dead. And I, that kind of blows my mind because again, I think our bar has shifted a little bit as far as good walking dead. And then we got our usual contributor. Um, every week I want to thank Andrew Yu for writing into us because he has some really great insights. Um, but he, um, he has a very good point. He says, well, that was mostly depressing in a very unentertaining way. I watched this show for mindless entertainment, not to watch someone die from cancer. There's enough of that BS in real life. The other parts were pretty good, and the Joe Cocker was ridiculous in a fun way. I think we mostly agree with you, Andrew Yu, although this is a show, like, the word dead is right in the title. People are dying on this show every week. Lately, I would argue not enough of the main cast does die because we don't get enough exciting plot developments that revolve around interesting deaths. Um, and granted, I think, I, I I don't know if this is the show I go to for, for say, mindless entertainment. Oh, uh, my. Yeah, it depends on the episode. So there's yeah. some episodes where you're like, that was fun, you know. Was, yeah. you know. I'm glad I this, watched that. Yeah, but this one was a this one took a little bit more, you know, to kind yeah. of like dissect if you really wanted to get into the meat and potatoes of it all. Um however, I kind of agree uh seeing uh Jeffrey D. Morgan in this position where he's taking care of his wife as she's dying for cancer, it, it was sad, but also 
It gave me Grey's Anatomy flashbacks, and you know <laughs> how I feel about my Grey's. I, I, I know like, you love your Grey's Anatomy. I love my Grey's, but watching Denny Duquette take care of a, a lady dying for cancer was a lot for me, okay? I was like, this is not okay. This is not how this story goes. And also, stop having these like montages of them being happy with this sad-ass song in the background, because they're going to die. At least one of these people is not making it out, and it's probably the woman on chemo. And so, <laughs> I, I agree with you. That was depressing, because it was like a countdown into this woman's demise. And uh, kind of like, what is that? Tyrone's death? Um, where it's uh, like, um, it, it's happening. And you got to watch it. And Mm -hmm. um, this was what that was. It was kind of like, okay, how long can he keep her alive? And how is she going to go? But we know she's going to go. But we knew that going in, Chappelle, because it's not not the reign of Negan and Mrs. Negan at the savior camp. Like, she's already not there. He's got a harem at the savior camp. Yeah, Because he can't deal with his grief. uh, You know, he takes his grief and, like, quashes it down and replaces it with a really problematic attitude toward women at large. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, we knew that we knew she was not getting that out of this episode alive. And somehow it, that ended up being even worse and more depressing than I thought it was going to be because I didn't need to have her also kill herself. And uh, yeah, that was gross because it's like, man, this woman's already going through enough and now she has to kill herself. And, you know, because she feels like it's over anyway, they're running out of chemo and, you know. She she feels like she's making Negan go above and beyond mm-hmm. because he feels like he's trying to atone for all his sins against her. I think the most depressing part of the episode for me was watching all of his sins against her while she was, you know, dealing with this cancer and the zombie apocalypse at the same time. Like this woman is going through. And as we, you know, watch this, you know, trajectory, you know, toward her death, we also get to see, oh, he's cheating on her. Oh, yeah, with someone she knows, her friend. Uh, was this his ex or something? Like, how did she seem to be think, in contact with this woman a lot? Yeah, I think they were friends because her friend texts her and they're like sending texts at the exact same time. And that's how she puts it together. Yeah, I think their friend even says, like, girl, leave him. He ain't, you know, he's just sitting yeah. around playing video games. Like, you should let, leave him alone. Like, yeah, those be the, he, those be the he friends. Could, <laughs> he could certainly be single again. You could yeah, do that please. to him. Yeah, please do that. Make him single so he can come live on my couch and play video games at my house because he's and already doing that. <laughs> Just yeah. he has some guilt and he has to leave every now and then. Spend my money on leather jackets. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I mean, even when he goes to find the chemotherapy medicine and he doesn't come right back, a part of her thinks you left me like this. Like you legit did the Negan thing and just kind of left me for dead. Um, and that's incredible. Because she doesn't know she can trust him. She thinks he's only doing this stuff because he feels guilty because he's been cheating on her. Mm-hmm. Like, that's insane. Not the thought process. The thought process makes a lot of sense. But the fact that we had to watch it while she was dying. Yeah, it was kind of a lot as far as like it depression goes. It, it, it's the sad part. Like the, the death is one thing that you have to expect in The Walking Dead. Trauma leading toward the death is kind of like, oh, that's not great. Yeah, you don't need to watch the whole like downward spiral for sure. My question is, though, there's kind of two ways you can read this death. And I think Mm -hmm. you hit on the first way that she feels like their relationship is still could be very transactional and that he's doing all this because he feels bad and she and she doesn't want she doesn't want him to leave her like that. Um, Like she leaves the note. I think the note says, please don't leave me like this. Does she think he's not coming back? You Does know, he take, the, did he take too long coming back because he got kidnapped by a biker gang? And well, yeah, I can't yeah. tell if she thinks he's dead or if she thinks he left her to go out in the world. I think I think that's the thing Negan has to figure out, right? Yeah. Because when even when he's kidnapped by the biker gang, they say it. If you don't cooperate with us, she will think that you left her. 
because mm-hmm. we will kill you and she will think that you left her for dead and that will destroy her. And, you know, so when he comes back and sees that note and sees that she has, you know, ended her life. Yeah. A part of her probably thinks, wow, she, she did think I left her, you know, and she'll never know how much I loved her because I've never treated her like I did and to the point mm-hmm. where she could even believe it when I was doing it. So yeah, that's, Ooh, that's, that's dark. You know, to like you be going through all of this to save this woman, you know, for whatever your reason is. But if he really did come from his heart and that he was in, he's in love with her, like he says he is, he's doing all of this to save her only to come back and have to live with the idea that she probably died thinking that you left her for dead and that you actually didn't love her and that you just finally got tired of taking care of her. And that sucks. Yeah. And there's also, I feel like the, the other read on this is that she, feels like she's dragging him down and that's not a way to feel like someone is staying with you. And I think it makes it pretty clear that she thinks that he left her, but there's also like, maybe she doesn't even want to be with him like this where he's sticking around this cabin just because he feels guilty and because he has to be there with her. And just the fact that she exists, it doesn't matter all the rest of it he's stuck there with her and he can't go out and survive any way other than to be in this place in the middle of nowhere where there's no supplies and there's zombies everywhere. So. Yeah, that's, there's a lot of that going on probably as well. You know, maybe both these things are true at the same time because even Negan had no clue that she knew that he was cheating on her, but she Mm -hmm. revealed that to him to say, you don't have to act like this anymore. And you wonder if it's just kind of like, or also, you can go live your life. My days yeah. here are numbered well, and there's nothing the, we can do about it. That's the obvious read on it is that the the you can go live your life aspect. And I think that a less talented writing team would have just gone with that. And yeah. I think they put so many layers on this. It's really fascinating. And it's it makes the whole thing worthwhile. The whole depressing downward spiral of death and disease and people getting beat up for chemo drugs. It almost yeah. makes the whole thing worthwhile to have this very multi-layered thing. I mean, if you're gonna have if you're gonna have to watch somebody kill themselves and come back as a zombie, it's there are worse ways to do it. Yeah, that, that's why that's why I think this episode is getting such rave reviews. You know, in some places because the writing has been good. I think throughout the entire you know this what C end of the season. You know, the back the back mm-hmm. end. Uh, I think the writing has been good. They've been very talented in what they've been and creative in the ways that they've been able to use these um, actors and and their wives. And mm-hmm. uh, only to come to an episode like this where they really, really stretch themselves as far as like layering the storyline and mm-hmm. giving you things to speculate about and not making Negan such a cookie cutter character who broke bad, right? Like this is very much a super villain like origin story, but then you have to wonder, was he always a villain all along? Right. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, could things have been different? Is there anything he could have done different? And then like, what is he driven by? Is he driven by grief or is he driven by guilt? Uh, Cause those aren't always the same thing. You Mm -hmm. know, he's, he's sad that she's gone, but does he feel guilty? Like she wouldn't have killed herself had he got back earlier. Um, you know, maybe he's a savior is because I want to be able to get these supplies to the people that I, I want them to have to, you know, who I want to have these supplies before it's too late. Maybe that's his thing. Um, because I watched that happen to my wife, right? So mm-hmm. it gives you so much to chew on that it does feel like a really good episode. I don't know. There's been so many episodes of The Walking Dead to this point that I don't know if I could say it's the best or in like a top 10 episode, but it was definitely probably the best episode of this season, for sure. Um, and for sure, the back end, 
mm-hmm. and probably you know the stuff before it. Yeah, I'm I'm comfortable saying it's the best episode of the whole season. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I put it up there with things like The Grove, for instance. Mm-hmm. Like that's the one that everybody's comes comes back to. Yeah. Um, but it's it's for sure it's very well done. And you know, if as we were saying in previous weeks, the whole this whole season fragment feels like the writers are just giving each other exercises to do. I think this is the team that gets the A for sure. Yeah. And like everybody oh, yeah. in the workshop is like, whoa, my mind's blown. That was really great what you did with that character. I love the flow. Yeah. That's what they talk about in writing groups, like the flow. They don't really <laughs> they don't really understand what that means, but everybody pretends they understand what it means. It's like a vibe, you know, like yeah. I don't have to tell you what it is, but it's it's so much of a vibe. It's such a mood, you know, it's the flow, yeah. you know, it's it just flow. flowed. Yeah. Um <laughs> Jess, we didn't really talk about Negan's uh wife lucille um mm-hmm. and the actress Played that plays her mrs yeah, dean morgan right i i didn't watch uh whatever like i guess reveal this was that maybe it's like a talking dead or maybe like an after show type of situation but i didn't know this until i was on uh twitter and i saw it so do you have any insight into how they did this is this just like a COVID call i think it was a COVID call for sure i mean she acts obviously and she's she did a great job with what she was given but it is one of those things what it reminded me of you're gonna like this Mm-hmm. Um, you know how after Kirk Cameron sort of went off the deep end and he would only do like, he would only do like biblically themed romantic comedies. Um, mm-hmm. and there were, he would play opposite an actress that they hired, but then when it came time for the kiss at the end of the movie, they would switch out the actress and put his real wife in there because he didn't feel like he could even kiss somebody while he was acting. Oh, You didn't know about this? No, I didn't know that. Is that what they pulled off with in Saving Christmas? Is that what that was? It's like like a whole subgenre of people that watch Saving Christmas and they say that movie is way too sexy. And there's like a whole like evangelical (laughs) subgenre of movies that Kirk Cameron is the only actor who is that far on that end of the spectrum that you would have heard of to appear in this movie. And... There'll be romances and they will fall in love in a godly way. And then at the end, at their wedding, because you can't kiss before the wedding, uh-huh. he will kiss, but they will always like zoom way out. And then they will put his actual wife in the scene to kind of be the stunt kiss double. Uh, oh, okay. Well, if you ever want to know how to win a Golden Raspberry Award for Worst <laughs> Actor, look no further than Kirk Cameron in Saving Christmas. That's yeah. good to know. I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, Saving Christmas is a little fringe for Kirk Cameron. He really, you know, he's he's more in his element in those movies where, like, you know, this big mean atheist comes in and tries to destroy, you know, with their intellect and their far left ideals. Yes, and their science. And Mm -hmm. he's like, no, the word of God will compel you. And now I'm going to go kiss this woman that's not my life, but really is my wife. Uh, Okay, well, maybe that's why he got the worst actress. I mean, actor, um, you know award oh, yeah. because this he was is, so out of his element you know saving christmas yeah. was just it was such it was too much of a stretch yeah i think it, he was really he was a bad actor at that because he was so uncomfortable with something that was you know it it was a little bit too racy for him but anyway good to this, good to know yeah this <laughs> is all to, to say that if you are an actor and you are also married to an actor you always have that option and didn't they do that there was a netflix series or there's oh, some no. streaming series called like Love in the Time of COVID, and it was all these real life actor pairs that would 
do these little mini bottle episode stories where they played characters like surviving COVID, but they were all real life couples. So they didn't have to do deal with quarantine. Yeah, fact, I'm, I don't I'm like gonna look that. it up. <laughs> I don't like that. I don't like when we get into our, like we get so comfortable with like, like real world trauma to where we mm-hmm. just like, it's fine. Let's just, let's, let's use it for art or, you know, to entertain or to tell our story. Like for me, kind of, I kind of like to step away from COVID sometimes. So I, I like that we haven't had to do with a walking dead, you know, like, oh, we're all wearing masks and staying six feet away from each other to where it's in the storyline, right? Like we know the actors right. are going through that, but I'm okay with it not being a storyline because guess what? It's in the other storylines left and right. Superstore, Grey's Anatomy. I mean, you, you, you look around and people have said, this is the world and we're going to, we're going to live in it. You know, even on your TV screen. And I like a little bit more escapism when it comes to my trauma. I'd like to get away from that if I can. I I would just like to watch movies in which, movies and television in which this doesn't happen at all. Yeah. If I could just not have COVID, that'd be great. That'd be great. That's, that's, (laughs) I mean, maybe that's what, maybe that's what Andrew, you meant when he's talking about the mindless escapism of it all. Like, this is a world in which an actual plague destroyed, actually destroyed all of humanity. And somehow this is more escapist than... Like this helps us forget about our troubles in the present day where we are dealing with a global pandemic. Yeah. And cancer ruins everything. So cancer does ruin everything. Screw that. Andrew is right. Yeah. Yeah. He is Um, right. Did did you find the love in the COVID information? I did actually. It, um, what I remembered was, um, it starred, um, Leslie Odom Jr. Who originated the role of Aaron Burr in Hamilton Mm -hmm. and his actual, his actual wife was in this with him. Okay. And um there were several episodes of different um different real life couples that were playing um stories about like couples who were tested by the challenges of quarantine. It was very very early on in the pandemic, kind of like too soon. Yeah, I can imagine because like like at this point in the pandemic, I don't want to watch that. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I can, not I, ready. Can, I get the Yeah. And they probably filmed this when it was like, this will be over by the summer. This will be over by the fall. You know, yeah. like, don't worry. This there's no way this will go into 2021. And here we are in 2021. And I'm like, did they really do that? Really? So, you know, I don't I don't put any faults on them for it. But because, you know, who could have foreseen that this would be a global mm-hmm. pandemic that could wipe out, you know, a lot of people? I don't know, maybe science, but whatever. Uh, at the time, a lot of people weren't taking it as seriously. And so maybe it felt like something that people could talk about because it would be topical and it would be something that we went through and got through and it would be over by the time it was released or there'd be some foreseeable end. And here yeah. we are. <laughs> well, I think that that kind of plays into what we saw in this episode. Yeah. Because you see them in the early days of the zombie apocalypse saying, well, I'll just give Lucille her chemo and then she'll get done with the chemo and she'll be fine. And about that point, they'll be reopening the hospitals again. And it'll all be good. I think that's yeah. kind of the optimism there. Like, you know, we're running out, like the supply chain is disrupted right now. It might be okay. We might be able to find a way around this. Yeah. Um, people who deal with, you know, like, going through chemotherapy or dealing with, you know, cancer or even dialysis, stuff like that, that it, there's a level of optimism that you have to have. Because mm-hmm. after the chemo is something that you just tell yourself, you know, like yep. after the chemo, after the chemo, after the chemo. And you imagine telling yourself that during a zombie apocalypse because yeah. you have limited chemo, you know, and a, a, a dead person can walk in here any second now and you're yeah. living with a generator and it's still after the chemo, after the chemo, after the chemo. Yep. So yeah, it's kind of, Ooh, it's like this whirlwind of like darkness that we just dove into. And I don't know, I, I'm, I'm going to tiptoe right on back out of this one. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's, 
let's end it on a more positive note because I really loved, I wanted to give a shout out to Corey Powell who tweeted at me and said, I'm watching the Negan Sode right now. And my husband says, I'm going to tell my kids this is the notebook. I mean, it's fine. Not wrong. This, this could be the alternate ending to the notebook. Yeah. Um, so is it Ryan Gosling or Rachel McAdams who like bursts through the door in the leather jacket and burns the house down? Like, that's definitely <laughs> that's definitely Rachel McAdams energy. Exactly. Exactly. I was like, come on. That's, yeah. Come on. That's Rachel. I mean, yeah. it's Regina George. Yeah, of course. Regina George with a biker jacket and a bat covered in barbed wire is like every high school girl's like nightmare. <laughs> we do not need that um, because she is an insane person. But yeah, this was cool. It was a cool episode. I like that when he finally broke bad, we had like the badass moment for him. He comes in, he like does the supervillain thing where he lays out his entire plan. Like, mm-hmm. okay, here's the beginning and end. He explains to us the entire story in a linear way, which the walking dead was not able to. And then he says, and because of that, I have to kill you. And now I'm about to go be a badass. And he does. He, Goes, he he takes Lucille, which he was given, you know, by um Laura. Mm-hmm. And so he takes it. He goes, he cuts off his own barbed wire. He, he wraps it up. up. Yep. He puts his uh biker jacket on that his wife had, you know, that he spent all his wife's money on and maxed out their credit card for him, whatever. He takes it, puts it on, and, and, and rides off into on his Harley. I mean, this guy is definitely like a stereotypical bum. <laughs> like, he didn't even wear a helmet. Of course not. Like, what? Yeah, they did a good job of making him like, no, no, no. He's that guy. He's that yeah. guy that you you didn't think he was that guy, but make no mistake, he was he definitely that guy. That guy. Yeah. yeah, I'll be that yeah. guy. <laughs> I don't know. I I still feel like I have a lot of questions about how he went from that guy to you know that cult leader. But mm-hmm. maybe they'll tell us someday. But we got we have a whole entire new season of Walking Dead and they're saying it's the final season. It's really like three mini seasons wrapped up. Of course up. it is. Yeah. I, I'm hearing uh, end of August for the next brand new Walking Dead flagship. But up until then, like we're not going to be totally gone from your ears. Oh no. Mm-hmm. Because uh, they are leaving us here with Walking Dead Prime and we are going straight into the Fear the Walking Dead season six, season six B premiere next week. Uh, okay. We are allegedly going to be joined by, um, Podcast dad Josh Wiggler is going to be back on the Walking Dead podcast with us. Very excited yeah. for that. If Very we remember excited. to tell him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If we remember to invite podcast dad Josh, he will come allegedly. Now, allegedly. I, I, yeah, because I call shenanigans because mm. Josh so happened to skip this season that is, you know, not great. Not great. No. And you have to wonder if he knew this would be a good time to kind of like back on out a little bit. <laughs> the Negan episode mm-hmm. would have been a great time to jump back in, but no, give him fear. He's caught up on fear. Um, and he's, he's, he'll be back with us. I'm confident. Like I know mm-hmm. he, he was afraid of this, this last season of the walking day, but I think he'll be back with us for fear and, uh, we'll have a good time. It'll be like old times. Well, and then for those of you that are, Thinking, well, I don't want to watch Fear. I'm too good for Fear. I'm only Walking Dead OG. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to put it out there. Walking Dead OG has not been great. It's been like C+. Fear the Walking Dead this past season. You know, Fear the Walking Dead has a lot more variance and quality. Like, it's great or it's terrible. Lately, it's mm-hmm. been great. And Dalton Ross, I want to remind you all, tweeted this past week that 
he has seen some of this season fragment and he says it's not just the best fear has ever been. It is the best walking dead has ever been. And Dalton Ross is somebody that watches TV for a living and he knows good TV and bad TV and he is not afraid to tell you when something sucks. So, yeah, I don't oh. I don't know if um, Robert Kirkman is paying him off to say this, but <laughs> I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to say it's going to be good. And I want you guys to all stick with us and find out along with us. Let's see where let's uncover the joy together. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think for the people, you know, who rightfully are kind of skeptical of fear, um, once Dalton Ross puts his stamp on it. He, you know, we can now blame him if it's really bad. Mm-hmm. Oh, and sure. So, yeah. So if it's like the next episode comes out and it sucks, we're like, Dalton Ross, this is on you. So if nothing yeah. else, come with us on that ride and then we can uh, experience that together. So you can watch us really enjoy some well-produced television mm-hmm. and and revel in that with us. Or you can watch us slowly get angrier and angrier at Dalton Ross. I feel like that's win-win. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We just start to direct all our attention to Don Ross specifically, like he wrote the show. Mm-hmm. That's oh, going to yeah. be it's gold. <laughs> entirely his fault. You know, yeah. We don't we don't blame the we don't blame the writers for anything. But I don't know. This this has like, you know, what if Madison Clark comes back? Like, this is real like, ooh, this is real. Something big is going to happen. I feel it. I don't know if it's Madison I, coming back. It could be Travis rising up from the pile of zombies out of the helicopter. Oh, my gosh. I'd scream. Literally, yeah, I probably yell. Um. What I do want to know, I'm interested to track this too, is that was Fear the Walking Dead also filmed during, it was filmed during uh, COVID as well. Yeah. And so we know what they did with this back end of the Walking Dead proper. And it wasn't great. It was a lot of bottle episodes and somehow mm-hmm. it wasn't great. What are they going to do differently to make Fear so much better, right? The, Dalton Ross is saying this is the best ever. And we know that it's limited in their resources. So... I want to know what exactly they do. Are these more writing exercises that just go well? Everybody's giving an A plus and a gold star. Or are, me, are we pulling out all the stops here? I, I really want to know. I'm interested and I'm glad you'll be having me for that ride as well. Of course. I, I wouldn't want it any other way, dude. Yeah. I, I honestly, I think the story they're telling on fear is smaller. I think it's mm-hmm. easier to tell a small story as we've discovered, but they also, they can move the plot in a way that caters to small stories where I don't think, Walking Dead proper was ready to do that on a yeah. dime. So I think that's what the difference is. And that's where we're going to see it going. But I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I feel like maybe I've built it up too much in my head now, but I'm blame Dalton be, Ross. Yeah. I'm going to blame Dalton for this. It goes horribly wrong. And of course, if we remember to remind him, podcast dad, Josh Wiggler will be here next week to break it all down for us. And Chappelle, I want you to tell the listeners what else you're up to this week. Cause it's fascinating. Um, uh, I don't know the answer to your question. Um, I think I'm doing the reality TV rewind as mm-hmm. usual with that's the one um, <laughs> with the uh, Rob Sestanino on or Rob has a podcast. We are covering America's Next Top Model, uh, season six, episode three, I believe. With, is that the We Were All Rooting for You episode? It is not. It Aww. is not. Uh, no, no, no. We felt like that was too on the nose. No, we're going to mm. talk about season six, episode three, which is, uh, I believe it's a makeover episode. So that'll be give us some good content. But um, we're going to have guesting with us, Haley Strong from the Bachelor and Bachelorette podcast on the reality TV wrap ups. And um, Shannon Gus from, uh, you know, all of our survivor coverage. I was going to ask coverage. you. 
I was going to ask you, can you talk to Shannon Gus about things top model or does she not want to talk about it? But I'm very excited to hear she's going to be joining you for this. Yes. And so that's the thing. I think Shannon is willing to talk to us about things top model, but she is not willing to talk to us about her things top model. She's not willing to talk to you about Australia's next top model, which I understand completely. Yeah, uh, she has some personal experience with that, and we're not going to touch it unless she wants us to. And so until then, Fair. she will give us whatever top model insight she has as we, uh, uh, you know, explore that show, show with um, with Haley and Shannon and Rob. And I'm very excited to do that. Um, I don't know if Rob has ever seen America's Next Top Model. And so I definitely want to get his uh, insight into the show because I, it's a wild ride. Every season is. Yeah. Uh, if, you, do, no, I was going to ever- ask. Have, are you are you are you very familiar with the the series? I'm familiar with the high points. Mm-hmm. I I know of the iconic moments for sure. Okay. I did. I was not a regular watcher. Um, gotcha. It, it premiered at a time that I was working in an industry adjacent to modeling, and in fact, my job was to know who all the top models were, and it felt like just not enough escapism. <laughs> Much <laughs> like it. watching the zombie show, sometimes doesn't feel like enough escapism from the COVID world. Watching a model show. Well, I had to flip through Vogue and tell you which model was on which page. And that was my job. It felt like not enough. It was not enough distance. I get that. Yeah. Work-life balance is is important. (laughs) It's very important. Um, But yeah, I'm very excited to hear you guys talk about that. And what a great all-star panel you have assembled. This Reality Rewind has been one of the greatest experiments of 2021 so far. I'm so glad you're doing it. I'm having a blast. Uh, look, I will keep doing it as long as Rob will have me. And so uh, I, I have to start working on who we're booking for next week. And I haven't decided yet, but you're still uh, you're still on my short list. So don't I can't make wait. no mistake. Yeah. <laughs> and, but you got to be careful with that. I will do it as long as Rob will have me because I said that in 2012. Here and here right. we are. <laughs> good point. It's a, it's a very good point. You got to watch that. You'll find yourself. You'll find yourself 41 years old talking about Walking Dead on a podcast. And you wonder how you got to this point. And it's because you said, I'll be on, I'll be on Rob's network as long as he'll have me. And I'm on his network at other places too. You can catch me every week talking about tough as nails with Rob's sister, Nino, Mike Bloom. And of course, the host of tough as nails, Phil Kogan also joins us to blow off some steam and yell at his Twitter haters and talk about all these amazing things that you learn about the production of a TV show that you would never have known if you didn't have a show creator and showrunner on the show with you. So it's, such a it's such a cool thing we get to do that we get to talk to him every week and i really recommend even if you are not steeped in tough as nails lore it is an education if you're interested in at all in how the sausage is made um and that i think about wraps it up for us Chappelle. tell us where you want to be found uh you can find me on twitter you know as usual tweeting away um Today, I haven't been tweeting much. I've just been telling everybody, thank you for all the birthday love and the the wishes. And everybody's been so nice to me. I love that kind of stuff. I'm always like self-conscious when I say it's my birthday because I'm like, I'm not a big partier when it comes to like celebrating me. I, I love celebrating other people, but I'm always kind of shocked when people want to celebrate me. So it's been a good time, but I'm on there tweeting at Chappelle's show, C-H-A-P-P-E-L-L-S underscore show. Um, and you can follow me on Clubhouse as well. Rob will would no, no doubt have some reason to talk on clubhouse very soon and I'll probably pop in. Um, but yeah, that's where, that's where I'm at most of the time. So come say hi or give me some feedback about the walking dead. Um, just, you know, be kind. I try to be kind. So I expect that as well, but that's about it. I love your positivity Chappelle. And I love that you celebrate other people, but you got to get used to people celebrating you, man. Cause you're a star. And I celebrate you for being on this podcast with me. Um, 
I would like to thank everybody else who's here. I'm going to celebrate them as well, all the listeners. Thank you for tuning in. You can give us feedback, of course. Tweet at Chappelle. Tweet at me, at Haymaker Hattie. Tweet at Post Show Recaps. Tell us what you thought of the episode. If you're shy about tweeting, you can email us, twd at postshowrecaps.com. We will possibly read your feedback on the air. We're really happy for everybody that is in touch with us, especially our regulars. I don't think we quoted Podrick Racer this week, but we're really happy whenever we hear from Podrick Racer as well. So get in our inboxes. Be one of our regulars. We definitely want to hear from you. And once again, Chappelle, happy birthday. Thank you for being here with me. Thank you for spending your birthday complaining about television. (laughs) I wouldn't have it any other way. Thank you, Jess. All right. Right back at you, man. And thank you to all of our listeners. We'll see you next week. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.